Cool and welcome. Thanks for joining us again this week. We're finishing up the week Friday the 21st. So, man, May's really flying by here. So we're going to talk a little bit about the farm economy. So we're going to talk a look at the May WASD estimates for corn and soybeans. And then, Brent, you're going to chat a little bit about the perspective of where current prices are with respect to budgets and the income outlook. So we're going to start here by just diving into the WASD reports and the WASD table here for corn. I'm going to highlight here a few things for you. So first off, they came in here with 91.1 million planted acres. That's straight out of the March perspective planning report. One of the next big reports to keep your eye on is the acreage report, which comes out at the end of June. Brent and I were talking about this a little, a little ahead of time. We have some forecast network questions around this, so you want to keep an eye on that. The second number they plugged in here is 179.5 for the yield. And so that is assuming normal planting conditions or normal weather. And we'll start to see how that plays out as we go through the growing season. So these are early place marks or placeholders in the estimates. And so as you work through their usage estimates, you can see about a 15 billion bushel crop. And then they're estimating 14.8 billion in usage, which gets stocks growing to uh, 1.5 billion, which gets us to uh, about a 10% stocks to use ratio, still below the average of 13%, but improved over the 2020-21 stocks to use of 8.5%. The number took a little bit of the tightness out of out of the stocks to use, but still tighter than we've seen for quite a while. I mean, the average farm price the USDA has there is notable at 570. Saw a little bit of debate of that number. I mean, honestly, that number seems high relative to 10% stocks to use. Seems to me to be more consistent with like an eight, but there is going to be a lot of discussion of these numbers coming up because we've got a pretty big window of uncertainty here. The the June acreage report, I believe, comes out the end of June, doesn't it, David? Yes, last, uh, last calendar day. Almost a month, over a month of time to kind of debate that and ihs came out with a huge number the other day and uh it's gotten everybody thinking a little bit and then that yield number david is going to change too i'll put a plug in for jeff young's work on our site go read his article he actually started looking at there's a model the usda uses and publishes and you can follow along that and jeff said okay we know one of the variables for corn and that's the planting pace and the planting pace is above average and that has a positive impact on the corn yield so this was 179.5 is normal weather and we're already starting to build in some of the other variables here like planting pace and so jeff talked about that in this week's article so make sure you check that out i want to point out two usage categories because we're talking about usage in the next slide take a look at ethanol Ethanol came in at 5.2 billion. That would be the best in several years. Uh, for context, we fell below, we're at almost 5 billion in 2020, 2021, and then 4.9 billion during sort of the peak of the refinery exemption. So this is all trending to be using more ethanol. We'll see how that plays out. And then on on the export data, 2.5 billion bushels of exports compared to 2.7, almost 2.8 billion last year. So maybe a little bit lower usage on the exports, but it's China, of course, that's in the exports to China that's got the markets really, really excited. So that's, you know, a bunch of stuff to keep uh, in mind as we move forward. Yeah, that's really interesting because uh, you start looking at those and you can see where there's cases that can be made for those to increase. 
we're out of the Andrew Wheeler era, some <laughs> all refinery exemptions being granted all the time. But you can also see the case for that yield number, I think, is going to start creeping up to, and nobody's really talking about that right now, but that's probably going to start happening. So let's talk about usage a little bit. We find it really useful, at least I find it really useful to step back and say, where is usage on the trend line? And you see the R squared is, this is actually a better R squared than the yield. So usage, the story on usage is a lot of just more every year, about 260 million bushels of grain gets used in addition every year. So where are we at? Well, last year's usage was very close to the trend line. It was a big increase from the trade war rut we were in, a really bad demand and bad usage in 18 and 19. But 20 came back to the trend line. 2021 is expected to come a little bit lower. Again, tight stocks, high prices. This doesn't come as a surprise. But what I think is really important to note is about 3% off that trend line. For context, we were at 16% below the trend line during 2012, that drought of that year. So yeah. if we were to see things to production get tight, we're going to see a lot of that adjustment come out of usage. We haven't really rationed usage here at this point, maybe a little bit, but in the grand scheme of things, not anywhere near anything like we've seen in the past. Right. Here we're switching gears a little bit to soybeans. Again, they're using the March perspective planning 87.6 million, 50.8 bushels for the normal growing season yield. Again, that brings us down to 120 million bushels of ending stocks or stocks use ratio of 2.6%, basically unchanged from last year. There's a little bit of a little more stocks, but a little less usage this year. So we're adjusting that percentage a little bit, both of the denominator and the numerator are changing here. So usage is going to slip a little bit, but just a tiny amount ending stocks are going to grow a little bit. Um, again, keep an eye on, you know, exports still exports are going to be expected to be a little bit lower, but still well above the trade war of 1.7 billion compared to 2 billion bushels expected this year. So one of the takeaways I have from this Brent is if we have a production hiccup, all of that, we're kind of at the bottom of the barrel for stocks to use. It would be an extreme case to start to see the stocks to use ratio get much lower. This idea of the pipeline, if we're going to start dropping yields or acreage, it's all going to come out of the usage side. Yeah, it, it has to because uh, there's just not the supply there to do it, which this whole situation to me has been really interesting because this is the market that has, if you, when you look at it, you go, it is tight, tight, tight. That's why I was a little surprised that soybean prices weren't a little higher uh, in the planting season period. It's just interesting, I guess. But this is a tight stocks to use situation. And uh, you kind of wonder, you know, on the area planted, obviously it's, the number's going to change from the perspective planning. So how much one way or the other. Now, I guess you can see corn soybeans both increasing a little bit. It's just interesting. I think this is a tight, tight scenario. Let's talk a little bit about usage and the trend line. Soybean usage is expected to slip a little bit here in 2021, but it's still above the trend line. So still a lot of usage, more usage than we saw during the trade war. There's still a positive demand story here on the soybean side. So if we start thinking about, I see a lot of narratives about rationing demand. Well, we haven't reached sort of a rationing demand level when you think about the quantities of beans that we're actually looking at. You know, if we were going to be in a demand rationing era, we'd expect to see about a 10% gap from the trend line. And we're actually above the trend line. So this tells us there's a lot of 
adjustment here that could still come out of soybeans on the usage side if we were really – I guess the other way of saying this is if we were going into this year and usage was already pulled down 10% below the trend line and the stocks were tight given these early projections, then you would really start scratching your head as how are we going to ever make any adjustments if we have to. The takeaway here is we have a little bit of shock of over here in the usage equation. Yeah, of course, South America offers a pretty big, you know, alternative store on the soybean side. Sometimes just looking at the U.S. situation can be a little bit deceptive, but boy, you know, you just look at it and you go, well, yeah, that usage number could drop, but price would probably have to go quite a bit higher to make that rationing happen, right? Right. So Brent, I'm going to turn this over to you. And you did a really great job in an article that's posted out this week, looking at what are the farm level economic implications of these prices? It was interesting because I started writing this article. The, the data we used was of 514 and, and the corn price by that time was 552 and soybeans were 1405. And when I started to get ready to do this, the, the I think we were at about six. 30 on corn. I don't remember what beans were, 1470 or something. I, I think I can't remember how high beans got. The whole reason I started doing it is saying, well, this has to be a record contribution margin period. The thing that after you did it, we did it, it still is a record contribution margin period, even with the prices as of 14th of May, which incidentally are about identical to what the prices are today. Ultimately, these prices are about the same. The result is contribution margins are as high for these two crops using on Indiana data for variable costs as we've ever seen. So even though prices have fallen 80 cents a bushel for corn, uh, you're still looking at near record contribution margins. I think some people are kind of like, well, boy, we missed the high prices. They're going to go higher. Just sometimes you still step back and say, well, where are we at? You know, and this is good. We're, we're in a good situation. And just trying to encourage people to think about how good things actually are right now. So contribution margin is what's left after we pay our variable expenses. So the things we use to service debt, replace our machinery, family living, cover some of our fixed overhead expenses. For context, this was about 250 bucks an acre when you look back 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20. And now we're over 500. So there's almost more than two years of contribution margin in one crop. And I think that's a really important realization here is I have this year's fixed cost covered and another year's kind of similar status during the, the lean years. And so how can we maybe think about this a little bit different? The next one is just the average profit and loss. I think if I would run those numbers with at the highs, uh, it was an all-time record projected profit. And we, we compared it to was the initial crop insurance price guarantee. And actually, the initial crop insurance price guarantee this year, we show on the chart in 2020-21, we were projecting, you know, Indiana, Purdue was projecting basically break-even for farmers, which is actually better than it sounds. That that sounds well break even. That sounds like good. Well, that's the economic break even. So, so basically, you're covering the cost of every resource, and that doesn't happen that often. But there have been a few times we've seen some pretty big ones. 2011, the projected profit was right around $200 an acre. Today, based on those prices, we'd be at about $150 an acre of economic projected profits. That's pay all the resources, the land, everything and put another $150 an acre in, in the pocket. That's substantial. 
And the reason the contribution margin is at a record and, and the profit isn't at a record is because the fixed cost structure is different than we had in 2011. Land rents are higher than they were in 2011. That was 10 years ago. So the fixed cost structure has grown a little bit, but at the end of the day, economic profit right around 150 bucks an acre for average quality Indiana farmland. That's, that's a pretty good situation. And then the last one just shows, I said, well, okay, that's against the initial crop insurance price guarantee. And some people might say, well, yeah, but prices go up and it could get a lot better. Well, we compared it to a market year average price. And this price we're looking at right now would be the fourth highest in the last what is that, 14 years? We compare it to the final crop insurance price, it would again be the fourth highest. To the budgeted prices, it's the second, third highest. What we're trying to say here is the level of profitability shown right now, based on prices today, is substantial. Telling people they need to sell corn or what, anything, but just trying to say, here's the temperature of the situation, here's, here's what it looks like. It's, it's actually pretty good. It's also interesting to look at all these price points over several years of data. You know, that first crop insurance price isn't necessarily a bad indicator of where things are going to end up, right? There's a lot of those early price estimates aren't all that wrong, I guess, over many, many years is how I would think about that. So Right. More times that has been the highest price than than not. But it's I'd have to go back and look at that data, but it, it's a decent indicator. And we're ahead of where we were with the crop insurance price already it won't buy almost a dollar bushel today so something to think about all right well thanks so much for joining us brent i don't know i didn't tell you about this but we always then sign this off by saying stay curious it's important i saw a story here that a school bus with a lot of kindergartners got hijacked in the south in the united states no um so guy got on with the machine gun very scary situation At the end, the, the guy let the bus driver and all the kids off the bus. And what they said, what happened was, is the kids kept asking a lot of questions about, are you going to hurt us? Where are you taking us? Are you going to hurt our driver? Who are you? What are you doing? And the hijacker got frustrated and let everybody off. So you never know where a good question is going to lead you. So always you go. ask good questions, stay curious, and hopefully it has a good outcome for you. So thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you all next week. 